Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Praise God. This morning, this morning, we're going we're gonna to get into the Word. And this is one of the, the, the quickest sermons I've ever written um, in, in my life. It's like God was just like, boom, 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 boom. Uh, just depositing it on, on, on my digital paper. And I'm excited to preach it. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. It, it, it might not feel the best. Amen. Um, my sermon is entitled Rock and Sand. I'm going to start with that. Rock and Sand. It's based out of Matthew 7. 24 through 27. Uh, I, re- I, re- I referenced this passage last week. But if you have it, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, I want to read it. And it says this, it says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat up against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word, my God, that you are speaking this morning. It's not me, it's you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that that this word may uh, may be well received, Father God. I I pray that we may be open and receptive to this word, Father God. And I pray that it may fall on fertile ground, Father God. Speak to us, God. Convict us, my God. Man, we even give you permission to offend us a little bit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. 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 This week, I was part of a, of a discussion in which something known as the seeker-sensitive movement came up. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, a seeker-sensitive movement. But it is a movement that has kind of been on the rise for a, a while now. For a long time, it didn't even have a name. But the seeker-sensitive movement, it's very, it's very popular among many churches um, uh, especially many of those that we would consider mega churches. Um, it's, it's a, it's a popular model of church. And I think more churches, um, adopt it more than they realize because they don't really know uh, the name of it, but it's a very, very popular model of church. And, and a seeker, just to provide a definition, a seeker is anyone who does not attend a church regularly, but is perhaps looking for a church. They're seeking, they're seeking a church. This type, of, this type of people are everywhere, right? People are looking for churches. People are looking for answers. People are looking for a higher purpose. They're looking for, for, for a cause, right? And, and this has brought tremendous opportunity for churches all across the world who are seeking to reach these people, right? And, and there's another term that you might hear sometimes when referring to churches, seeker-friendly, seeker-friendly church, meaning that that church is welcoming and open to the visitor, maybe even placing a little bit of a priority on the visitor because the visitor doesn't have Jesus and they need Jesus, right? All of this is good. The world needs places like this. The world needs a a church where they can experience love from a body. Like here, man, we have tremendous love to give. Seekers, people who don't have God, they, they need a church where they can grow spiritually. 
They need a place where they can get plugged into and learn and be discipled. Honestly, it sounds like Numa Church, right? It sounds like Numa Church, uh, the, the church that we strive to be. We are here for the lost. We want to be here for the community. We want to reach. We want to bring people to Jesus. And Sunday after Sunday, we are making that call to Jesus. And, and, and then after that, we, we plug them in and we try to disciple them and teach them. All of that is good and it's important. It's important. There are some churches, and, and I've been to some of them, who, who are surprised when a visitor walks in. They're like, who, who are you? <laughs> I wasn't expecting someone I didn't know, right? I, I never want to be that church. I want, I want unfamiliar faces to be the regular. I want people to come in that we don't know and, and we get to know them from that moment on. But there is an unhealthy side to the seeker church model. And this is where I'm going to separate Numa Church from the bunch. Because there is a place where, where you have to draw the line. Seeker churches are often those that appeal to the masses with, with good music and, and nice, nice stage equipment and, and lights and, and LED walls, which I would love to get one day. Um, and, you know, state-of-the-art child centers. I don't know if you've ever, man, I've been, I went to a church one, uh, one time. It, they took me on a tour. It was a, it was a big church, man. The, the, the child center was amazing. Like, I wanted to play in it. Like, it was, it was massive. It, it probably was, was bigger than this, this entire building. Um, none, of, none of these are bad things. I went to another church where they, they proudly brew Starbucks, right? I would love to proudly brew Starbucks coffee, right? None of, that is, none of that is bad, right? It's okay to have a nice church. It's okay. It's good to have a nice church, especially if your house is nice, right? How's your house going to be nicer than your church, right? The, pro- the, prophet, the prophet Haggai prophesied against that. He said, man, you, you guys are all here building your beautiful homes while the, the temple of God is in ruins. You got to take care of the temple. You got So wait, that's okay. It's nice to have good, uh, a good facility and a nice, nice church where the seeker model often fails is when it makes its way to the pulpit and in the classrooms. Because if you're a church that strives to give people what they want, you're going to have to give them what they want at the pulpit. And this, this is the dangerous part of the seeker-sensitive model, is that, is that that sensitiveness would make its way to the preaching and the teaching. Now hear me, hear me on this, okay? I want our church members, I want our visitors to have a good place to call home, right? And I believe we do. I want us to have a good community. I believe we do. I want us to have good events. I believe we are. I want us to have that that parking lot. I believe it's coming. I want us to have good coffee. Got to go to George's office to get the coffee. (laughs) It's probably gone before you try to get it. I want us to have amazing praise and worship music, you know, with, with, with excellence put into every song. And my, my God, I just want to say, we just, we just welcome Leah as one of our worship leaders. And that anointing, bro, that anointing. Hey, guys, men, we need to step up, man. We need, a, we need some male worship leaders, okay? Brother Junior, all right. Tryouts, tryouts coming next week. I want, us, I want us to have all of these things. These are good things, but I also want you to have a good biblical foundation. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to, you need to know that there is a hell, a hell and that sin is real. 
Nothing else matters without a, a solid foundation. You can have a beautiful facility, be, but be empty in your temple. Now, I'm not, I'm not in the business of bashing preachers. Y'all know that. It's all right. Go ahead, Pastor. Just do it. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not about that life. The, the only time I'll, I'll do that is I'm, if I'm calling out straight up heresy, right? But I'm, I'm not going to speak negatively on how some churches choose to do church. But I want you to be aware of this. This is a serious problem that we all need to pay attention not to fall into. Of, of feeding the same people milk Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because after five years, 10 years, 15 years, you haven't grown. The, the church needs to be a place where you, where you grow, right? But listen to this. Listen, you can grow in the wrong direction. You can grow in a false teaching. You can, you can grow contaminated. You can grow mold. That's not what we want. You need to grow in the truth of the word of God and not your version of the truth. Everybody wants their own version of the truth. Speak to my truth. No, that's not the way that it works. There's not a my truth. There's just a truth. Second Timothy four, three through five. Second Timothy four, three through five. It says this. It says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate, meaning they will gather, they will seek out, they will follow on Instagram, they will follow on Twitter, accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I heard someone say that the seeker-sensitive gospel is just a more diluted form of prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel promises, you know, material riches and wealth as a Christian. That the more money you'll, you give, the more you'll get back. The harder you pray for that material thing, you'll get it. it. It's called prosperity because it's meant to make you think that you can use Jesus to advance your life here on earth. And that ain't it. Jesus, Jesus didn't die so that you can have a good life. Jesus didn't die so you can have a nice house. He didn't die so you can have a nice car. He, he died to save you. Now, the the seeker-sensitive gospel is not, that, is not quite that extreme as the prosperity, but it does promise whatever the hearer wants to hear. That's the seeker-sensitive gospel. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with being a seeker-friendly church, but that friendliness needs to be checked at the pulpit. In the classroom, in, in what you feed yourself, what you read, who you follow. Because the message of Jesus, man, it's not friendly. Did you know that? The message of Jesus is not friendly. It, it, it was, it was, it's an offensive message. Because we're told, we're told that we're sinners. You read it, and, and, and we're told that we're sinners. And that... That we have to be washed in the blood of Jesus to be saved. But Jesus didn't come to befriend you. He came to save you. Sometimes, sometimes my wife will tell me, because I'm the cool parent, right? Any cool parents? Any cool? All right. <laughs> Whatever. 
No, you're not. I'm the cool parent. And I have, I have two girls, and, and you know, I'm, I'm the biggest softie when it comes to my daughters. They have my heart 1,000 times over. They can do no wrong. And, and, you know, I have two extremes. Like, I have one where I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not stern enough, and I have another one where I'm, like, Mrs. Trunchable from Matilda. <laughs> There's no in between. Most of the times with my girls, I'm, I'm, I'm a softie. And, and so I'll go easy on Layla sometimes. And, and my wife will, will, will pull me to the side and, and she'll say, she doesn't need you to be her friend. She needs you to be her dad. And I'm like, girl, chill with those words. It hurts. <laughs> but she's right. She's absolutely right. And, and Jesus didn't step down from heaven to give you a good time. That's not why he came. He came to give you eternity. He came to save you. And I know that when it comes to Jesus, we want both. We want the Savior and we want the homie. We want to be cool with Jesus. Like, hey, hey, Jesus, don't, you're not going to tell the Father this, right? Because your word says that you advocate for me, right? You, you intercede on my behalf, fist bump, right? We're, we're good, right? No, no, no. <laughs> the message of Christ will tell you what, what you need to hear in order to save you, not what you want to hear to satisfy you. And we're living in this time that Paul speaks about here in Timothy where people just, they just want to hear what they want. And I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this morning that you, you look at yourself and ask, am I this person? Am I this person? Because it, it's, it's so easy to, when we're, when we're receiving a message, you know, we, we think, we, we say amen because someone else needs to hear the message, right? Pa- preach it to them, pastor. But, but it's, it's so easy for us, you know, sometimes you don't know what's in front of you because you don't realize that you're blind. You don't realize that, that we're blind. Just because, just because you can see doesn't necessarily mean that you're not blind to what God wants you to see. And we're living in this time, and it, it, it's being seen everywhere, where people just want to, they want a message that they want. And if, if someone one Sunday didn't like the way that the sermon made them feel, even though it was preached in truth and in the power of the Holy Spirit, they'll just leave the church. As I'm sure there's a church within a three-mile radius from here. I'll just look for another one with better coffee and better parking. And a preacher who will give me what I desire to hear. Those are the times, truly, we are living in them. Where we tailor the gospel to ourselves. We want our version of Jesus, right? We want our version of the truth. Sometimes people will go to church and you'll you'll have a terrible week. Have you ever been in church and you just had a terrible week and you just need to get to church? You You need a refreshing and maybe you had a terrible week and everything went wrong. I mean, Monday through Saturday, just it was thing after thing. It's like when it rains, it pours. And you're so excited to get to church because you want your situation to be spoken into. But then you leave church feeling disappointed because I didn't need to hear a message of repentance. I didn't, I didn't need to hear a message of salvation. I needed the pastor to tell me the promise of my raise coming in Jesus' name. 
I needed the pastor to tell me the promise of my house is coming in Jesus' name. That's why, that's why I say this very often. You can sound spiritual without being biblical. And a lot of people want their feelings spoken into, not their spirit spoken into. I'm not, I'm not saying God didn't promise you those things, okay? Don't, don't, don't miss what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's, it's not about what you want. Church is not a candy shop. It's not about what you want. It's about what you need. It's about the nutrients that, that you might not like the taste of, but your body needs it. That's what it's about. The promises of God in Scripture are, are rarely, I, I won't say never just to not be proven wrong, but, but rarely, I can't think of any, for the benefit of the individual. Abram's promise wasn't for his benefit. He benefited from it, but, but, but the promise was tied to a higher purpose and a plan of God. He was being used by God. David's promise that the Messiah would come through his lineage, it wasn't for David's benefit. It wasn't because David was a good boy. It was definitely a privilege, but it wasn't about David. And we make the word of God so much about ourselves. And that creates a shaky foundation because you know what else is wishy-washy? Our emotions, our feelings. One day you're on a high, the next day you're on a low. And it's, you know? And if that's what we have created as our foundation, a, a gospel that is, that is grounded on, on our feelings and what we want, good luck withstanding the storms. Good luck not being misled. Some will say, ouch. <laughs> Matthew 7, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, specifically, just to give you context, Jesus is talking about the words that he just got finished speaking, which, which is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaches this sermon, and if you haven't read the Sermon on the Mount, read Matthew 5 through 7. Study it. I mean, Jesus talks about a multitude of things. He talks about love, divorce, anger, prayer, fasting, um, um, uh, giving. Talks about all kinds of things. Judging others is all right there. Matthew 5 through 7, his Sermon on the Mount. And before he gets to this, this portion of scripture that we just read about the wise and foolish builder, he ends it with, with false teachers. He says, be aware of false teachers. That's, that's verse 15. It says, be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look friendly. They look nice. They look innocent. They look like they are, they're going to help you but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. We're not recognizing by fruits. We're, work, we're recognizing people by words. Look past the words sometimes and look at the fruit. Then in verse 21, he says, not everyone who says to me, and you, you've, you know this verse, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will come and say to me, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart, you workers of lawlessness. This, this is a message that Jesus was giving to people in the community of faith, in the church. That's who Jesus was talking to. 
People, people who think they're good. People who think they know the truth, but they'll be blindsided because they paid more attention to people than the word of God. They, they depended 100% on spiritual leaders instead of opening up the scriptures and discerning. <clears throat> you can't know what you don't know, right? And God says in, in Hosea, he says, my people perish, or I think it's Haggai, Haggai, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Simply because they didn't know. Knowledge is important. Knowledge is important. I know we always try to compare wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is important too, but knowledge is the fruit of the Spirit. Don't be, don't, man, I'm, I'm, don't be, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy when it comes to this. I know there's a lot of pages in here, but, but this is the word of God. This is what sustains us. This is what our salvation is built upon. If, if your salvation is built upon one sermon that you heard Pastor Ryan preach or Pastor Danny preach, that, that, that's not going to outlast the storms. It's got to be founded on the word of God. My people perish for lack of knowledge. They thought they knew. They, they thought they knew sound teaching because it sounded spiritual. They thought they knew the word because someone said to them one time, thus saith the Lord, but they didn't even confirm it with my word. They thought they knew me, but they didn't. And I know we have, part of, part of the reason I, I felt led to, to preach this word is because I know we have a lot of new Christians, a lot of new Christians. Um, and I praise God for that. I praise God. And when you're a new Christian, it's so important for you to find a, a, a church that teaches a sound biblical teaching. But that can be hard because you're so new that you can't recognize the difference between what is sound and what is not. So you just kind of take it all in, not really sure what, what to do with it. So I, I tell people all the time, you got to read the Bible, man. You got to read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. And I know it's not easy to understand sometimes. Buy yourself a commentary. Buy yourself two commentaries so that you're hearing from different, different opinions. And deep dive in the word of God. It is work to be a Christian. It is work. Because you know what Christianity is? It's a relationship. And, and what is a relationship? It's work. You don't get married and then forget it. You could be married by title, but not really by relationship. It's the same way with God. Once you become, uh, once you, you, you come to Jesus, it, it is a working relationship. And, and God's done his part. You must do yours. Deep dive in the word of God. Don't just accept anything as truth without having checked for yourself. Question me. Question me. Challenge my theology if it, if it seems off to you. I give you permission to come to me and say, Pastor, can you, can you expound on this a little bit? Because I didn't understand that or I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm, pastors can be wrong. I, I, I welcome that. But the greatest thing that you can do for yourself and your faith is to be led in the truth of the word of God. Not by the words of man and certainly not by your feelings. <clears throat> now, let me, let me try to credit myself a little bit now. Um, if it's worth anything, um, you know, I, I, as a pastor, I do, I do not take this lightly. 
And I think I've shared this with you, but I want to share it again. I do not take this lightly. I care so deeply about God's word that if I'm being personal, I'm often a skeptic to things that I cannot confirm in God's word. So if someone gives me a word and they say it's from God, I remain a skeptic until I can check to see if it's if it aligns with God's word. If scripture is silent on it, because sometimes scripture will be silent on your situation, you know, if God gave you a promise, that promise is not necessarily written about in the scriptures. So if that's the case and I can't confirm it with scripture, I say, God, okay, if this is you, confirm it to me. Confirm it to me. Confirm, don't, don't hold on to one person's word who, who comes in the name of Jesus. And I just believe that that's a responsible thing to do as a Christian. But even more so as a pastor, just know that I will never come up here unprepared. I will never come up here unprayed because the last thing I want to give you is a word that is from myself. Call that the pastoral guarantee. <laughs> I will... I will study the scriptures. I will study theology. I will read from perspective that aren't just Pentecostal because I, I don't want my faith to be grounded on a denomination or an affiliation. I want it to be grounded on the word of God. <clears throat> but do the same. I want you to understand that deception appears friendly. It appears friendly. You, you know, I used to think, I used to think, how in the world is the Antichrist going to deceive so many people? I, I don't know if I was the only one who thought that, but like, I, I already thought that, like, I mean, it's all over the scriptures, right? I mean, even the people that haven't accepted Jesus yet, they've, they've, most of them have heard, they've heard the people on the streets, you know, the, the apocalyptic messages, they, they, they'll have an idea of, of what's happening. How is it that the Antichrist is going to deceive so many people? Won't it be so obvious? How is it that, that so many Christians can be deceived today? Don't they know the word of God? And I think it's because deception is friendly. And the enemy, he's mastered it. He has mastered it. And these prophecies about this mass deception in the end of days, we're seeing them. They're happening. We're living in it. And we'll see it more and more. And, and this is how I think we won't even notice it. The devil deceives the church by deceiving the church leaders. So, so if the church leaders are deceived themselves, it's not that they're being malicious it's that they're just passing on the same deception that they've been handed. It's friendly. It's friendly because there's, there's, no, there's, there's no malicious intent behind it. So like if someone gives me a $100 bill that's counterfeit, and I don't know that it's counterfeit, and I give it to Pastor Brandon and his wife, and I want to bless them and say, go out to dinner, have a good dinner. And they try to pay with that counterfeit $100 bill, and the server's like, yeah, we can't use this. It's, it's, it's no good. He's going he's gonna to be upset at me because I deceived him. But I'm going to be like, bro, I thought, I thought it was real. Because the person who gave it to me thought it was real. And will that not be the way that the church is deceived? That church leaders and church pastors are, are preaching a word that is contaminated, but they don't know that it's contaminated. And they're preaching it Sunday after Sunday, and the church is building up a spiritual immune system to be able to take that contaminated word, and they're feeding it to their children. 
All the while not knowing that it's a, a false gospel. That's deception. That's deception. And that's why Jesus says, people are going to say on that day, Lord, I mean, we prophesied in your name. Well, maybe so, but the prophetic word that you gave wasn't from my word. It wasn't from my mouth. You just used my name in your mouth to advance your purpose. And if this deception becomes popular, it's going to be what the church wants to hear. And people are going to flock to churches that preach sensitive to people's feelings, sensitive to people's desires, and there is no Holy Spirit to discern. <clears throat> I know this type of message makes you go, shoot, am I, am I being deceived right now? <laughs> like, if I don't know I'm being deceived, how can I know the scriptures? This is probably one of the most basic words I've, I've preached in a long time. It's like, it's just going back to the foundation of the scriptures. I don't know how anyone thinks they can know God without knowing God's word. Because when you truly understand who God is, that knowledge of him, that, that is what makes you want to go deeper. Because you realize how awesome, how amazing, how loving our God is. And you just, you want to go deeper. And that is a foundation that no one can break because it's, it's, it's built on, on the truth of God's word and a relationship with him. Notice that at the end of the verse, Jesus, he, he doesn't just say, listen to these words. He says, do them. Whoever hears and does, that, that, is, that is what is going to build a firm foundation. You have to apply the word of God. Don't just, don't just take it and then put it in your notes and then it's on your paper, but it's not in your heart. Listen to these words and, and, and do them. Let's not forget that the devil knows the word of God too. The devil's probably got a PhD in theology, man. He, he, he knows it. But the foundation is built on not simply what you hear, but what you apply. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm, I'm getting ready to, to finish. Very, very basic message. Rock, church, rock. Someone say rock. Rock is what is needed for a firm foundation. But it's nothing if it's not applied. Someone has to pour it. And in the same way, the word of God is that substance that is required for a firm foundation, but it has to be poured. It has to be poured into your life. And rocks are uncomfortable. S sand, sand is comfy. Sand feels better. It's easier on the feet. You can walk barefoot on sand. Try walking barefoot on rocks. Stuff hurts, man. But, I mean, what, what can compare to a day at the beach, man? It's the best. People will be there all day. The most beautiful beaches all around the world. That, that, that's what attracts tourists from everywhere. When I go on a beach vacation destination, I make sure to check the beach. Because I want white, fluffy sand. Because for that week that I'm on vacation, I want to forget about my life's problems and stresses and just feel good on the sand. How many people go to church 
for an hour, an hour and a half a week because they're looking for that sand-like experience. I just want to forget about my reality for a second. You know what can ruin a day at the beach? Rain. That's it. Rain. Water, just in general, will ruin sand. You can have a beautifully built sand castle and one wave comes and boom, it's gone, destroyed. It's foolish to build your spiritual life on something that cannot sustain you when storms come. And when waves arise, if you're you're so afraid that you're going to lose your faith, if you're so afraid that, that, that your Christianity is just on, it, 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 it's, it's, just, it's, it's just holding on by a thread because a wave is going to take it away. I'm telling you now, it's not built on a good foundation. It's not built on a good foundation. If you have to hear a word every Sunday that speaks to your situation, that speaks to your feelings, That's, that's not why the gospel was written. That's not why the gospel was given. That's not why Jesus came to fix your situation. He came to fix your soul. He came to fix your heart. He came to fix the disconnect that was between us and the Father. He came to reconnect that. That is our hope. That is our hope. That is our hope. That, that, that is the foundation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Where they said, you know what? I believe that God will deliver, uh, deliver me from this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, praise God. God is good. It is not dependent on the things that we want. It is dependent on him. That is the foundation that I am asking you to build upon today. The truth of God's word. God's word. And can I tell you something else? This this does not diminish anything that God has spoken into your life. But the only promise of God that truly matters is the promise of heaven. If God never gives me another promise for as long as I live, he's already done enough. If I, if I get sick or a loved one gets sick and God, I pray that that doesn't happen and I pray every night over the health of my family. But if that happens and God decides not to do a healing, God is still good. The promise of his goodness is the one that I hold on to every day because God is good. All the time, God is good. God is good. God is good. Can, can, can we just, can we stand? Can we just meditate on his goodness? On his goodness. God, you are good. You are good. God, forgive me, my God, for, 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 for having itching ears, my God. Forgive me, my God, for, for looking, for, for, for seeking out the words that, that, that I have tailored to accommodate my feelings and my desires. God, forgive me for looking past you and to the things that you can give me. This day is just you, my God. Today is just you. It's just you and me, you and me. Come on, just begin to speak to God right now. I want the worship team to sing that song. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.